Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811 as you well know inflation now is out of control i will tell you that when the numbers come in with the gdp i think the gdp will have shrunk again and we will be officially in a recession but let me tell you something we are in a recession The question is how bad it's going to be, and it's going to be bad. Biden and the Democrats decided to attack every aspect of productivity right out of the box with executive orders and regulations, with threats, and that's exactly what they've done. When you attack fossil fuels, natural gas, which is used to produce fertilizer, and fertilizer, which is used to produce food, And when you attack diesel fuel, which is used in 18-wheelers and tractors and other machines that harvest weed and corn and so forth and so on, the consequences become dire. Rather than having a government, a government that supports the strengths of our economic system, a government that is rational when it comes to energy production, we have ideologues. In the case of Biden, a man who wants to create a legacy for himself, wanted to be the next Franklin Roosevelt. God forbid, because if he is, we're going to have a 10-year depression. Among other disasters. Inflation, 8.3% in April, year to year, remains at a 40-year high. Two-thirds of Americans live paycheck to paycheck as inflation continues to climb. Grocery store prices are up 10.8%. They've been going up 17 months in a row, last time I checked, long before Russia invaded Ukraine. Most in nearly 42 years. 
As Americans face higher prices on hamburger meat, baby food, chicken, bacon, soup, coffee, eggs, you name it, across the board. Now here's something that needs to be said. It's actually worse than the government reports. You see, the government tries to cover its tracks, so its so-called economists and experts have been changing the way we measure the consumer price index, that is inflation to you, for years. The Yankee Institute pointed this out about four or five months ago. So they announced 8.3% year-to-year. That's a rate that hasn't been seen in 40 years. According to some economists, the reality is much worse. Could leave senior citizens and others who rely on Social Security benefits and pensions in a very tough spot. That's because the standard measurement for inflation, the CPI, has undergone various revisions in how inflation is calculated since the 1940s. The sixth and most recent comprehensive revision came in 1998, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, but there have been numerous small changes over the years as well. According to Investopedia, for several years there's been controversy over the CPI, whether it overstates or understates inflation and how it's measured, whether it's an appropriate proxy for inflation noting that some critics see the current inflation measurement as a purposeful manipulation that allows the United States to report a lower inflation rate, CPI, and therefore report a healthier economy. The Bureau of Labor Statistics is more responsible for taming inflation than the Federal Reserve because of their rejiggering of the mathematical algorithm, said Chief Economist of Data Corp Partners, LLC, Donald Klepper Smith. Back in 1980, your consumer price index inflation was 13.5%. And had we been using the algorithm from 1980, we'd be looking at, and I'm going to apply this to the current numbers, over 15% today, over 15%. Klepper Smith says the measurement in the early 80s wasn't perfect either, possibly overstating inflation. But since then, the measurement has been corrected so many times that it is now understating the effect of price increases. He said it's not measuring the cost of living anymore. It's measuring the cost of surviving. And barely at that. And barely at that. This has been to the advantage of the U.S. government because they're paying out far less in transfer payments. And he points to a website called John, excuse me, John Williams Shadow Government Statistic, run by economist and consultant Walter John Williams, and offers inflation measurements based on the algorithms used in both the 1980s and 1990s. Today's inflation would be well over 15%. And this economist, Williams, is critical of the federal government's new methodologies, arguing today's measurements artificially lower reported inflation. Now, that's why you feel it worse than they reported. 
According to the BLS, energy experienced the highest overall price increase, over a third, with the price of gasoline and heating oil approaching over 60%. The cost of used cars grew over 30%. And we could go on. Housing, and of course, food. So the picture is much worse. It sounds bad enough, but it's much worse. And it's much worse because the Democrats did this. Their policies are intentional. And now they're trying to run away from the consequences. And yet they told us what the consequences would be. Americans consume too much fuel, so they wanted to drive up the cost of fuel. Barack Obama wanted to shut down coal plants creating electricity. Now there's warnings this summer that we could have brownouts and blackouts in many parts of the United States. It's gotten so bad that even Newsom in California, rather than shut down the last of their nuclear power plants, is reconsidering shutting it down. We need more modernized nuclear power plants, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we need. And yet, that's not what we're getting. I need somebody to tell me who believes in transitioning to new energy. Where do we go to find information on this new energy? solar, wind, and so forth. And how do we get it? Don't tell me about solar panels on your roof or windmills in your backyard. How are we going to move trains and planes and automobiles? Electricity? There's not going to be enough electricity. Electricity relies on fossil fuels. Coal, nuclear power, natural gas, oil, Electricity doesn't create electricity. Wouldn't that be fascinating? But where is this technology exactly? What country has it? We don't have it. And so they want us to drop the energy that we're using to embrace something that simply does not exist. What is going to move the 18-wheelers? We don't have batteries powerful enough to move a truck from one end of the country to the other with a massive load of food and other products. We don't have jets, passenger jets or other jets that can work off electricity. Where are these things? Well, we need to have more pressure, you see. So keep driving up the cost of fuel, and then they blame the very industries that are going to go out of business if these radicals succeed for not creating the very energy that they don't want created. What kind of a model is this? What kind of a policy is this? And then they blame the consequences of their insanity on the people who are victimized by it. 
It's going to be you soon. It's going to be you. That you're expecting too much. That you're using too much. That you're eating too much. It's going to be you. Because fundamentally, you're the consumer. How many times did Barack Obama say, it's in my book, Liberty and Tyranny, that we're 3% of the world's population, but we use 20-25% of the world's resources. You need to understand this is what the climate change movement is about. It's a degrowth movement. It's a war on the use of energy. It's the war on the consumption of food. That's what it is. The price of red meat's going through the roof. They don't want you to eat red meat. Remember all that? They don't want you to eat it. Methane, you know. Methane from cows and from you. The radicalism, the extremism, the insanity. And these are the consequences. So they rejigger the inflation numbers to make it look better than it is, as bad as it is. They divert attention from their own policies, blaming Putin, who's to be blamed for slaughter and genocide and an unprovoked attack on a free people. But it has nothing to do with the price of our fuel. We were energy independent. We weren't relying on Russia or Venezuela or Saudi Arabia. That's what it means to be energy independent. And they sued the oil companies, claiming that they were creating climate change. They sued the oil companies, lying about fracking, that it was destroying underwater reservoirs, when it was doing no such thing. As I say over and over again, the reason the Democrats can't fix any of this is because they caused it. And they're not going to reverse course. You have to force them out of office and reverse course. Two-thirds of Americans live paycheck to paycheck as inflation continues to climb. We have not seen anything yet. Nothing. For what about is about to occur. I read that 20% of what needs to be harvested in late summer, early fall, if I'm correct about that, 20% will not be planted. So I have 80% of what we need to feed ourselves. 80%. We know this already. Not because of climate change. Not because of what's going on in Europe. But because what the Democrats did, and Biden did, to energy independence. Fertilizer requires oil. Sounds weird, but it's true. Steel mills require oil. 
automobile factoring, uh, manufacturing, as a matter of fact, assembly lines require oil, fuel to function. Trucks require diesel to get from one end of the country to the other, as we discussed earlier this week. So the prices are going up even more on diesel. Joe Biden claims to be president of the United States. Is he acting like a member when Harry Truman said the box, buck stops here? Joe Biden spent trillions and trillions of dollars. And for him, the trillions of dollars don't even stop with him. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So what exactly are Biden and his party good at? What are they good at? I'm just curious. What are they doing? That's good. Nothing. They're unraveling the country. That's what they're doing. And it's hitting people in the pocketbooks. Here's Biden in Illinois today. Cut nine, go. And as a big company's made massive profits, the prices you see at the grocery stores have gone up. So all we're going to hear is this Marxist claptrap. So, big grocery store now. It's a big oil, big grocery, big meat, big baby formula, big agra. Everybody's ripping off the consumer, you see. It's just disgusting what a jackass this guy is. I'll be right back. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. 
To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the cure for the common liberal. Talk to Mark now at 877-381-3811. You know, folks, I can't help but think if Donald Trump were president, what do you think he'd do about these shortages? He'd be on the phone with executives. He'd be on the phone trying to get to the bottom of it. He would find out what regulations are preventing the smooth flow of commerce wherever he could. He'd be on the phone with foreign leaders to see if we could get whatever we needed to get. Do you get the sense that that's going on? Biden just points his finger in a thousand different directions and then praises himself. Praises himself for the wonderful things he's done to the economy. And then he looks for enemies. He uses Marxist propaganda and Alinsky tactics. Now let's try this again. Biden in Kankakee, Illinois. Today. Cut nine, go. And as a big company's made massive profits, the prices you see at the grocery stores have gone up, and the prices farmers receive has gone down. This reflects a market distorted by the lack of competition. So last year I signed, one of the first executive orders I signed was that the competition, to make competition more available and level the playing field. And though the American rescue, through the American Rescue Plan, we're investing about $1 billion to help smaller meat processors expand their capacity, give farmers, ranchers, and consumers more options and bad, better prices. Look, I'm a capitalist, but capitalism without competition is not capitalism. It's exploitation. No, you're a Marxist, actually. That crap. They've spent a billion dollars. How's that worked out, folks? Has anybody followed up to see how the billion dollars has been spent? It's one thing to get up there and say we've spent money. This isn't about spending money. In fact, it's about not spending money. It's about doing things necessary to support the market system. How come all this stuff is happening now? All of a sudden, it's big grocery, big meat. All of a sudden, it's It's big baby formula, big oil. You know what the inflation rate was last year this time, Mr. Producer? 1.5%. America, it was 1.5%. Same industries, same companies. Mostly the same executives and the same employees. We still had the virus. 1.5%. What changed? The presidency. The leadership in Congress. On the Senate side. That's what changed. The policies changed. The federal government and the amount of money it can spend beyond what it takes in, has an enormous impact on our market system. And talk about distorting it, they can completely distort it. And that is what they have done. 
when the currency is not based on gold, it's not based on silver, it's not based on peanuts, it's just based on the goodwill of the federal government. And the people in charge of the federal government, whether at the Fed on the monetary side or on the fiscal side, the president and his party, are irresponsible in the extreme. More irresponsible than any group of politicians and appointees in American history. This is what you get. They can talk the Marxist claptrap all they want. That they stand for the middle class, the working man, the union guy. Well, how do all of you feel? We stand for the elderly and Medicare, Medicaid, and pensioners. How do all of you feel? Then they want to get you angry and focused on somebody else. Look at that billionaire and millionaire. They had nothing to do with this. If they're so evil, why didn't they do this two, three, four years ago? The government has all the power. The power to investigate and intimidate, to threaten and coerce, to fine and imprison. Private sector has none of that power. None of it. The oil companies are tiny little nothings compared to the power of the federal government. And the money the federal government has and spends and can husband. These aren't the oil companies of 100 years ago, 120 years ago. There's many more of them. They have shareholders. They have many left-wing board members. The government did this. Biden did this. His administration did this. Congressional Democrats did this. They told you they were going to do this. We're going to drive up the price of opening a, a coal mill, a, a coal plant. We're going to drive up the price of electricity. They're the ones shutting down hydroelectric plants. They're the ones shutting down nuclear plants. They're the ones making it virtually impossible for oil companies to drill new holes. No matter how many leases they give out. If they don't give out permits, you can't drill. And that's the problem. They give with one hand and take with the other. Anwar in Alaska. Anwar was set aside. Listen to me. Anwar was set aside. That's the history of Anwar was to set aside a portion of Alaska which could be explored for resources including oil in order to protect the vast majority of the state. Are you aware of this? Anwar wasn't set aside as some kind of a national park. It was Anwar that was supposed to be the most productive part of Alaska. And Trump opens it up. Lisa Murkowski, who is a fool and a buffoon, who hated Trump, helps set the stage for Biden, and Biden shut it down again. If you're not going to give out permits to drill, if you're not going to allow drilling in Anwar, if you're going to trash the very industry that you want to produce more oil, but not allow them to produce more oil. If you're going to drain 
the emergency stockpile put aside for a military attack or something like that and pretend that's going to have an impact on the price of fuel. This is preposterous. It's outrageous. Grocery stores do not make a lot of money. I've talked to general managers of my local grocery stores. They make a couple of pennies on most items. That's it. That's it. They have significant labor costs. They have significant energy costs. That's the way it is. And there is, of course, competition. But when the shelves are empty or becoming empty, it's not even a matter of cost. It's a matter of availability. There is a reason this is happening now. There's a reason this is happening on, on Biden's watch. As there was a reason it happened on Carter's watch. As there was a reason it happened on FDR's watch, where a bad recession was turned into a depression. And look how they rewrote history, because the left writes history. That it was Hoover. And FDR had the media behind him. Just as the Democrats always do. Had the media behind him. But there have been studies out of UCLA and other places. And if you can imagine, as I said the other day, that if Joe Biden had accomplished the order of spending that he was trying to ram through Congress with no majority in the Senate and a tiny, insignificant majority in the House, numbers-wise, another 5 to $6 trillion dollars in addition to how that would destroy our representative republic. Just imagine what inflation would be today. Just imagine the availability of food and the cost of food. You're seeing this with baby formula. You're going to see it with meat. You're going to see it with eggs and other dairy products. You're going to see it across the board. That's what you're going to see. Baby formula today, toilet paper tomorrow, meat the next day, poultry the day after that, and they'll always have an excuse or an enemy's list to attack. It's about marketing and propaganda. That's what they're good at. But I think this time, this time, the American people, God willing, are on to them and on to their media. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why in Primus. Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. 
These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. It's interesting, the Biden arguments, which are flat-out lies one after another, actually embolden the putinoids and their hemorrhoids in the media, as well as in the rest of the body politic. Now, it's a small, bizarre group. A small, bizarre group. Actually, the Blame America First crowd. Some of them, you know, are out-of-the-closet America haters. Bernie Sanders and so forth, but others like, what is her name, Gabbard? I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be rude. I can't, Tulsi Gabbard and others. The Putinites, the Putinoids with their hemorrhoids. This plays right into their hands. The Biden stupidity, the Biden propaganda, the Biden demagoguery. See, it's Putin who's caused all these problems. Putin. And so what do the Putinoids say? Well, then we shouldn't be helping the Ukrainians, should we? We shouldn't be using economic sanctions against Russia, should we? Because it's punishing the American people. Biden is such a moron, it plays into the hands of the other morons on the scene. The other moronic actors and politicians and commentators. Many of whom claim to hate Biden, but they pick up his propaganda and use that argument to advance their America last foreign policy agenda. It's really quite weird. Next hour, we'll more fully explore what it is that the Biden administration is good at. Yes, we're going to have to talk more about the issue of abortion. The Senate just voted and failed to pass uh, the codification of Roe versus Wade in federal law that was always a non-starter. And now Biden's talking about using executive orders? Using executive orders? Ladies and gentlemen, do you remember, and I talked about this briefly, when people like Joe Biden, who claims to be a practicing Catholic, in fact, we had this discussion yesterday with a caller, used to say, look, it's a private matter. I have to make decisions for myself, and other people have to make decisions for themselves, for themselves. Remember that? But that's not what Joe Biden is doing. Joe Biden wants to make decisions to grease the skids for abortion. It's no longer, you got to see how this argument evolves, how it changes over time. From Roe versus Wade and Casey to abortion on demand at any time, paid for by the American taxpayer anywhere in the country, even though there's no federal constitutional issue whatsoever. So we've gone from limits to absolutely no limits 
in a number of states. And what's interesting is you're going to hear news reports that say things like, in 26 states, they'll ban abortion or abortion will be banned in one form or another. They never tell you the number of states where abortion is legally protected right up to birth and paid for by the taxpayer or indirectly by the taxpayer through groups like Planned Parenthood. How many states do that, Mr. Producer? We have no idea. Why? Why doesn't some reporter do a survey to find out which states have open-ended abortion? And that way, those of you who don't support that can put pressure on that state or leave that state. Why is this only a one-way street? Why is abortion a moral priority? Where did that happen? When did that happen? But you're going to hear from Secretary of Treasury next hour, Janet Yellen, and see just how they dehumanize just how they dehumanize these babies, just how cold-hearted they really are. And I'm here to report to you this evening that despite protests at the homes of justices appointed by Republican presidents, protests since this weekend in violation of federal statutory law, the Attorney General of the United States has still done nothing. Nothing to charge a single one of them while they're throwing the most resources in American history, they tell us. Well, since the establishment of the Department of Justice and chasing down those people who paraded and trespassed on the Capitol Hill lawn. That is the number one priority. Protecting the justices, not so much. This is why you despise these people, and I agree with you. I despise them, too. We'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Before we move on, I've been thinking about this during the break. I do a lot of thinking during the break, and I do a lot of thinking in the shower. It's an amazing thing. I do a lot of thinking when I'm driving, too. Sometimes I need to drive off and just think about stuff. And by the way, some people don't understand this. Friends and others. Why does he go off on his own sometimes on breakfast? Without other people. Why does he sometimes go in the room, another part of the house? 
Because, ladies and gentlemen, you can't just get behind a microphone if you're a serious person and just start rambling. I mean, a lot of people do it. I can't. I don't. I'm trying to think these things through. Drawing on everything I, I know and everything I can obtain. What's going on today economically when historians look back, serious historians, not, not radical leftists trying to rewrite history? We'll date back before Biden uh, took over the Oval Office. It'll go back to what communist China did to this country and to the world. It'll go back to how Fauci, his grantees, the broader NIH, the even broader HHS, with their CDC and all the other alphabet soup, conspired to keep you in the dark tried to lead you around by the nose how the medical and slash scientific bureaucracy in Washington in and around Washington tried to run for the gap and take control over your lives change the kind of country we live in how they lied over and over again It'll go back to that, and it'll go back to the governors who shut down the country. The Newsoms and the Cuomos. The Murphys and the Pritzkers. The Whitmers and so many others. In righteous outrage. How they were celebrated by the media that also lied. How they were celebrated by big tech which censored on their behalf. These people did great damage to our economic system. It was grave. It was grave. And it was utterly unnecessary. Turns out little Sweden was right despite all the attacks on that little country from the left and the right. And we were on this pretty early on, earlier than most, that it was affecting seniors mostly, that little kids were mostly unaffected. Now the media kept pushing their charts and their graphs, kept trashing President Trump, who was truly working his way through something that's truly novel, and did a tremendous job, certainly under the circumstances. Joe Biden can't even make sure baby formula is in the supermarkets. You don't have to invent anything. You don't have to develop anything. Baby formula. All of a sudden, the economy is falling apart. But it's not all of a sudden. These Democrat governors, some of whom are up for re-election, these Democrat governors laid the path, set the stage 
They wanted to stop Trump at all costs in the last election. And the things they did to our electoral system in Pennsylvania and elsewhere. This guy Mark Elias and his fellow slip and fall lawyers. You know, it's amazing. We don't have a Mark Elias. My wife pointed this out to me the other day. Who's our Mark Elias? We'll go into every state, try and block people from running, try and change the rules to benefit his party, take no prisoners. Who is our Mark Elias? We don't have one. Do we? Not that I'm aware of. I don't mean boobs running around saying stupid things. I mean people duking it out in the courtrooms, getting to our governors, getting to our legislators, getting to our boards of elections. Who is our Mark Zuckerberg? It's not Peter Thiel, that's for sure. Who is he? There isn't any. We don't have one. Who is our George Soros? I mean, we do have billionaires, right? There aren't any. There isn't one. The closest thing that comes towards using money in this way, and yet in a positive way, in largely a non-political way, in a constitutional way, is Elon Musk, which is why so many of us have such a Early admiration, I'll say, for the gentleman. That's why. Because he puts everything on the line. For the others, it's a big game. But this goes back to what the Democrat governors were doing. Being praised by the media, being praised by Washington, certainly by their party. Donald Trump busts through. He insists that we open the economy. He's attacked relentlessly by the corrupt media, by the New York Times, Stalin's favorite paper, Hitler's favorite paper, I guess, in the United States, Castro's favorite paper, certainly not Trump's. And so... He fights to open up the economy, but he can't because he's not in charge of these states. He doesn't have the power to order them opened because he actually follows the Constitution. So they got a taste of this power, the ability to control the economy and to control your lives. Even then, abortion clinics were open and churches and synagogues were closed. Abortion clinics were open gun shops were closed. So Black Lives Matter and Antifa could riot violently without masks, but you couldn't open a barber shop. I mean we we know we know what took place. My point is this the Democrats have doubled and tripled down. We'll close the fossil fuel industry. We'll close the capitalist system. We'll argue, as a Marxist would, about class warfare and inequities. 
We'll bring the system down. We'll embrace critical race theory. We'll embrace the no-growth Marxist movement we now call so passively climate change. We'll attack it all. We'll seize control over much of the private sector and private industry. We'll call it the Build Back Better plan. We will spend like drunken Marxists. There's nothing to stop us. We don't have any balanced budget amendment. We just spend like hell and the Fed will print the money. Trillions and trillions like never before. And they weren't done. They wanted to spend trillions more. What will history say? History will say that these people and their supporters look around. Many of them live in your neighborhoods. Many of them are your co-workers. Are the most selfish bastards in the history of mankind. To spend money that has not even been earned yet. To impose on generations yet born. This kind of financial disaster. That they will have to shoulder ultimately. That is what's left of those who aren't aborted. The most selfish bastards this generation of politicians, so-called journalists, so-called entertainers, and the rest of them. They've spent this country in a near bankruptcy. They've destroyed the greatest economy on the face of the earth. They've opened our borders to anyone who chooses to walk in. Anyone. For any reason. They believe in abortion on demand paid for by society. Even though the science tells us that's a human being. Well, no, no, you don't understand. It's a human being when we insist on vaccines and masks. It's a choice when we insist on abortion. Oh, okay, now I get it. The censorship... The propaganda, the demagoguery. When you really think about it, the American Marxist movement, the corrupt media in this country, the Democrat Party, are a bunch of selfish, self-serving, narcissistic bastards. That's what they are. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. For half the cost, the average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. Or choose unlimited data, and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. 
boom, boom. Get some of the strangest emails during the course of this program. Okay. Treasury Secretary, I circle back, Janet Yellen at a hearing yesterday. Just listen to this. Cut one, go. Well, I believe that eliminating the right of women to make decisions about when and whether to have children would have very damaging effects um, on the economy and would set women back decades. Roe v. Wade and access to reproductive health care, including abortion, helped lead to increased labor force participation. It enabled uh, many women to finish school. That increased their earning potential. It allowed women to plan and balance their families and careers. I want you to listen to how cold that was. This is what you have to do. You have to dehumanize babies. Apparently, women have never been independent. They've never balanced careers before until Roe versus Wade. It's such a lie. Our ancestors balanced it all. My mother's mother. after my grandfather left her, started her own bar and she had my mother, I don't think I've ever mentioned this, when she was 16 years old. And there was no Roe versus Wade There was nothing. She took it upon herself. She had a responsibility. And two years later, my mother's sister was born. And soon after that, a couple years later, my grandfather left her. So she had two little ones. There wasn't a food stamps program. There wasn't a Head Start program. There wasn't a family leave program. There was nothing. So she worked. And she balanced. It didn't even occur to her to eliminate her pregnancies. My father's mother, my other grandmother, was also a very independent woman. She had four children. Now, my grandfather on my father's side didn't leave her, but he had to go work. These were poor people. Poor. Dirt poor. My family never came from wealth, ever, any part of it. Whatever I have is thanks to the good old United States of America and my parents giving me the principles and the opportunity to become whatever I wanted to become, and I could use it or blow it. 
And so, my father, when he was in fifth or sixth grade, he'd come home from school, and then he would walk a mile from the house. The house wasn't a house. It was a row house. A row apartment, honestly. And he'd walk a mile to a cigar factory in Philadelphia where my mother worked, excuse me, where my grandmother worked. And he and she would work at the cigar factory till one in the morning. I know that's not for everybody. I got it. I know times change, conditions change. But we're talking about now that abortion is a necessary event so that women can be independent and balance their lives. Is this a joke? So Tim Scott hears this. He's on the committee. And unfortunately, I have less than a minute left, and I want you to hear all three minutes of what he had to say and her response. Because he and his little brother were raised by a single mother. Poor as hell. And he became a United States senator. But listen to how cold the argument goes. When we come back, I want you to hear from Tim Scott. I'll be right back. Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. For half the cost, the average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. Or choose unlimited data, and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. We are on the cusp of breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, that in fact the Federal Bureau of Investigation has been tracking parents, has been labeling and tagging parents, in some cases as insurrectionists. And um, this is literally breaking uh, as I am here. Give me a second. I'm trying to pull it up. One second. Damn computer. It's just being sent to me. We get a lot of breaking news on this program. That's a good thing. All right. Here we go. 
Come on, come on, come on, damn it. Here we go. All right. Here we go. May 11, 2022. To Merritt Garland. From the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, and the ranking member of the Subcommittee on the Constitution, Civil Rights and Civil Liberties, Mike Johnson. You're about to hear this first right here. Here's the letter. Dear Attorney General Garland, in sworn testimony before this committee, you deny that the Department of Justice or its components were using counterterrorism statutes and resources to target parents at school board meetings. We now have evidence that contrary to your testimony, the Federal Bureau of Investigation has labeled at least dozens of investigations into parents with a threat tag created by the FBI's Counterterrorism Division to assess and track investigations related to school boards. These cases include investigations into parents upset about mask mandates and state elected officials who publicly voiced opposition to vaccine mandates. These investigations into concerned parents are the direct result and would not have occurred but for your directive to federal law enforcement to target these categories of people. On October 4, 2021, in response to requests from the National School Boards Association that the federal government use counterterrorism tools, including the Patriot Act, to target parents at school board meetings, you issued a memorandum directing the FBI to address these so-called threats. The press release accompanying your memorandum highlighted the FBI's National Threat Operations Center to serve as a snitch line for tips about parents at school board meetings. By October 20, the FBI had operationalized your directive in an FBI-wide email. The FBI's Counterterrorism Division and Criminal Division announced the creation of a new threat tag. EDU officials, E-D-U-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L-S, EDU officials, and directed all FBI personnel to apply it to school board-related threats. We have learned from brave whistleblowers that the FBI's open investigations with the EDU officials' threat tags in almost every region of the United States and relating to all types of educational settings. The information we have received shows how, as a direct result of your directive, federal law enforcement is using counterterrorism resources to investigate protected First Amendment activity. For example, bullet, in one investigation began following your directive. The FBI's blank field office interviewed a mom for allegedly telling a local school board, we are coming for you, quote unquote. The complaint, which came into the FBI through the National Threat Operations Center snitch line. <clears throat> this is the domestic terrorism line, ladies and gentlemen. Alleged that the mom was a threat because she belonged to, quote, a right wing moms group, unquote, known as Moms for Liberty. And because she is, quote, a gun owner, unquote. When an FBI interview agent interviewed the mom, she told the agent that she was upset about the school board's mask mandates, that her statement was a warning that her organization would seek to replace the school board with new members through the electoral process. The FBI's blank field office. They're obviously not saying which one because of the whistleblower. 
Open an investigation subsequent to your directive into a dad opposed to mass mandates. The complaint came in through the National Threat Operations Center snitch line again and alleged that the dad, quote, fit the profile of an insurrectionist, unquote, because he, quote, rails against the government, unquote, quote, because all conspiracy theories uh, believes them, unquote, and, quote, has a lot of guns and threatens to use them, unquote. When an FBI agent interviewed the complainant, the complainant admitted they had no specific information or observations of any crimes or threats. But they contacted the FBI after learning the Justice Department at a website, quote, to submit tips to the FBI in regards to any concerning behavior directed towards school boards. The guy was never a threat. Bullet, in another case initiated after your directive, the FBI's blank field office opened an investigation into Republican state elected officials over allegations from a state Democratic Party official that Republicans, quote, incited violence, unquote, by expressing public displeasure with, displeasure with school districts' vaccine mandates. This complaint also came into the FBI through the National Threat Operations Center snitch line. The whistleblower information is startling. You have subjected these moms and dads to the opening of an FBI investigation about them. The establishment of an FBI case file that includes their political views and the application of a threat tag to their names as a direct result of their exercise of their fundamental constitutional right to speak and advocate for their children. This information is evidence of how the Biden administration is using federal law enforcement, including counterterrorism resources, to investigate concerned parents for protected First Amendment activity. Although FBI agents ultimately and rightly determined that these cases did not implicate federal criminal statutes, the agents still exerted their limited time and resources investigating these people. This valuable law enforcement time and resources could have been expended on real and pressing threats. Yeah, like against Supreme Court justices. Now, these investigations into concerned parents were the direct result of your October 4 directive to the FBI. Each of the cases was initiated following your directive. Each of the complainants came into the FBI through the same snitch line, the National Threat Operations Center, highlighted in your press release accompanying your October 4 memorandum. One complainant even told an FBI agent they reported the tip to the FBI because the snitch line, despite having, quote, no specific information, unquote, about any actual threat. These facts lead us to conclude that these investigations into concerned parents, and likely many more like them, would not have occurred but for your directive. Parents have an undisputed right to direct the upbringing and education of their children, which includes voicing their strong opposition to controversial curricula at local schools. This whistleblower information raises serious concerns that your October 4 memorandum will chill protected First Amendment activity, as parents will rightfully fear that their passionate advocacy for their children can result in a visit from federal law enforcement. You have refused to rescind your October 4 memorandum and its anti-parent directives. In light of this new whistleblower information, we again call on you to rescind your October 4 memorandum.
Committee Republicans have been investigating the Biden administration's misuse of law enforcement resources to target concerned parents since last fall. You have failed to substantively respond to our request for documents, and your sworn testimony to the committee is now contradicted by whistleblower information. Please be assured that committee Republicans will not let this matter drop. Accordingly, we request the following information. Number one, produce all documents and materials letters to department components dated November 1, 2021, November 2, 2021, November 3, 2021, and November 18, 2021, immediately. Notice how they're stiffing them. These requests, they're six months old, seven months old. Number two, take all responsible steps immediately to preserve all records responsive to our letters to department components. In addition, we remind you that whistleblower disclosures to Congress are protected by law, and we will not tolerate any effort to retaliate against whistleblowers for their disclosures. Signed, Jim Jordan, ranking member, House Judiciary Committee. Signed, Mike Johnson, ranking member, House Subcommittee on the Constitution, Civil Rights, and Civil Liberties. Ladies and gentlemen, the abuse of power by this administration knows no bounds. A ministry of truth, a memorandum targeting parents in order to protect the union thugs in the teachers' union. Lawsuits against state legislatures, Republicans, doing their jobs as they see fit. Using the Voting Rights Act of 1965 to try and balance the election results toward the Democrats. And one case after another, failing to defend and protect Supreme Court justices, failing to enforce a federal statute that gives the Department of Justice jurisdiction to prevent the harassment, the threats, the coercion, the interference with the administration of justice by marching, parading, and protesting at the private homes of Supreme Court justices. They've done nothing. No snitch line, no arrest, no interrogation, nothing. Not a damn thing. Critical race theory. Transgender movement. The attack on unborn babies. The effort to pack the Supreme Court and threaten Supreme Court justices. The effort to destroy our voting system and bring it under the iron fist of the Democrat Party and their bureaucrats. Open borders with people pouring into this country. Fentanyl pouring into this country. Inflation through the roof. Murder, mayhem through the roof. This is what you've gotten with the man who's going to bring us unity. The people who were afraid of Trump, who wanted you to be afraid of Trump. Trump, who loves his country, who never did anything like this. Did he, Secretary Esper? Did he? Attorney General Barr. Did he? National Security Advisor John Bolton. Shameless, shameless. 
All right. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. For half the cost, the average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. Or choose unlimited data, and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. I just posted that letter at Mark Levin Show Twitter. At Mark Levin Show Getter. At Mark Levin Show Parlor. At Mark Levin Show Truth Social, where we have almost a, half a million followers. We've put it on our platforms, and I want to put it on MarkLevinShow.com, Mr. Producer. This letter needs to be spread around the world. What's taking place in our government? Can you imagine if this fool, this clown, this buffoon... Garland had been on the Supreme Court. What a rogue authoritarian. This entire administration. Those 1.3 million of you who've acquired copies in one form or another of American Marxism. You might want to take another look at it. That's who these people are. I'm telling you that's who these people are, from brainwashing and indoctrinating our kids to their war on the nuclear family to trying to change the nature of citizenship with wide open borders to trying to vote the destroy the voting system to ensure that only their party can win the war on the judiciary, the violence in the streets. The violence. The permanent mob that Schumer and Pelosi and others in the Democrat Party and the media signal to, they call it dog whistling. And they're real dogs, these these leaders, so-called. But they're not dog whistling. They're not a silent whistle. They're in your face. Calling out the mobsters. This is what we have now. You parents out there, what do you think of this? The FBI has, in fact, gone after parents on the domestic terrorism hotline. Not one of them has been charged with a damn thing. And the FBI doesn't even have the jurisdiction to do any of this. And the FBI and the Department of Justice have stiffed the Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee 
refusing to give them information. We need to overwhelm them in November. We need to make sure the Republicans are in control and that these bastards are brought before these committees. We've just broken the news of the letter, the Jordan Johnson letter. It is posted on all our social platforms. You need to acquire copies. You need to send them to every parent, every taxpayer you know. Spread the word. Redouble your efforts. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. May 11, 1991. It's when our son Chase was born. He's a wonderful young man. The family is very, very proud of him. We all are. And I just want to wish him the happiest of happy birthdays. I love you very much, son. And... He's just a uh, fantastic young man with such a wonderful future. We're very lucky with all of our kids. They're all fantastic. And two grandkids, too. I need to start this over again. Janet Yellen, National, excuse me, uh, Secretary of Treasury. By the way, we will have a guest on the program Dave McCormick, who's running for the Republican nomination, as you may know, for the Senate in Pennsylvania. Friday, we will have Dr. Oz. I have no doubt that at approximately 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, they will be cut off by something in our system that our engineers have yet to figure out and that top executives apparently don't give a damn about. So we do the best we can here with toothpaste and band-aids, and tape to try and keep this show on the air. Janet Yellen, cut one, go. Well, I believe that eliminating the right of women to make decisions about when and whether to have children would have very damaging effects 
um, on the economy and would set women back decades. Roe v. Wade and access to reproductive health care, including abortion, helped lead to increased labor force participation. It enabled uh, many women to finish school. That increased their earning potential. It allowed women to plan and balance their families and careers. Mm-hmm. Well, Senator Tim Scott heard this response to Senator Menendez of New Jersey. And here is his response. Cut to go. Some of your comments in response to Bob's question I found troubling. And I, I, just from a clarity's sake, did you say that ending the life of a child is good for the labor force participation rate? Giving someone the access, let me just quote what you said, that ultimately increasing access to abortion uh, and reproductive health care allows for our labor force participation rate to continue to increase, that denying women access to abortion increases their odds of living in poverty or need for public assistance as a guy who was raised by a single mom who worked long hours to keep us out of poverty. I think people can disagree on the issue of being pro-life or or, or pro-abortion, but in the end, I think framing it in the context of labor force participation is, it just feels calloused to me. I, I think uh, finding a way to have a debate around abortion in a, a, a meeting for the economic stability of our country is harsh. Uh, and I'm just surprised that we find ways to weave into every facet of our lives such such an important and painful reality for so many people to make it sound like it's just another 0.4% added to our labor force participation as a result of the issue of abortion just to me seems harsh. Well, I I certainly don't mean to um, say what I think the effects are in a manner that's harsh. What we're talking about is um, whether or not women will have the ability um, to regulate their reproductive um, situation in ways that will enable them to plan lives that are fulfilling and satisfying for them. And one aspect of a satisfying life is being able to feel that you have the financial resources to raise a child, that the children you bring into the world are wanted, and that you have the ability to take care of them. In many cases, um, abortions are of teenage women um, particularly low-income and often black, who um, aren't in a position to be able to care for children, have um, unexpected pregnancies, and it deprives them of the ability often to continue their education, to later participate in the workforce. So mm-hmm. there, there is a 
spill over into labor force participation. Yeah. But yeah. and uh, it means that children will grow up in poverty yeah. and do do worse themselves. Thank and you. Let me let me is, just say my time on the topic. This is I, the truth. I'll just simply say that as a guy raised by a black woman in abject poverty, I'm thankful to be here as United States Senator. Just listen to how she was droning on. Matter of factly. No big deal. And look how they they twist it, where they're the ones who are righteous and caring and humane when they're the opposite. And these children, she knows for sure they're going to grow up in poverty and do worse themselves. And you have Senator Scott, who, by the way, is very, very impressive to me. The more I get to hear him, the more I get to know about him. I'm just saying. And Clarence Thomas and so many people in this country, and not just black people, but people of all backgrounds, people pouring into this country legally as immigrants. The stories are endless. They're infinite of how people came to this country with absolutely nothing and made something of themselves because of liberty. Because of liberty. And here you have Yellen. She can predict. So abortion is ideological with these people. It's absolutely ideological. And there's only one person and people who follow the science and their faith and know it's not one person. You see what I'm saying? The people of faith who know it's not one person and are also following the science know that we're talking about two people. And this needs to be made abundantly clear. We are the ones following the science as well as our God. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Dave McCormick is running and running hard to be the nominee of the Republican Party for the United States Senate in Pennsylvania. And he's one of the leaders of the pack. And uh, Dave, it's good to have you back. Where do things stand? Hey, Mark, how are you? Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you. Yeah, it's a dead sprint. You know, it's uh, it's six days to go, and um, you can feel it. They, they people told me that Pennsylvania sort of uh, finishes late, and you can feel uh, there's about twenty percent of the voters still deciding. You can feel people focus. Uh, I've been driving across the state today. I've done five or six stops, and uh, listen, there people are mad about the direction of the country. They, um, they're scared about uh, the American dream slipping away. They're pissed off about inflation and gas prices and fentanyl in our great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and they're looking for a fighter that's going to go to Washington and push back on this crazy weakness and wokeness. And so um, it's a tight race. Um, in the polling, it looks very close am- among myself and uh, Mehmet Oz and Kathy Barnett. And, uh, you know, the race is going to be decided in the next six days. So it's, uh, it's exciting, and uh, I feel like I'm getting good momentum, but it's all about execution. 
You think you have a pretty good ground game? Because in the end, that's what I think it's going to take. I think I do. Yeah. The reason mm-hmm. I say that is I think we've, we've recruited great folks in every county. And, uh, you know, we've, the, my approach to this from the very first day when we talked was I've had a lot of uh, media and ads on TV, but I have literally been in this damn pickup truck and I've put 25,000 miles on it. I've driven to diners. Today I did two diners, a coffee shop, a VFW, and those stops are where you, you know, you get the word of mouth, you get the local media hits, uh, and you begin to build out the, this army of volunteers. So I feel good about it. But, um, you know, my, this is my first time running. So uh, when I feel like I get in the room and talk to people, I feel like they're responding. I feel like uh, they're taking my message, and I feel like I'm leaving with their vote. But, uh, but you know, we've got a long way to go. This is how a lot of politicians who were really uh, uh, first-time runners, uh, they weren't politicians to begin with. This is how many of them get elected, you know, uh, going and doing the kind of grassroots meeting people, speaking to people, small groups, churches, you know, restaurants and diners and so forth. This is how many of them have gotten elected. And so this is your plan, I take it. This is my plan. And, uh, you know, you learn, I didn't, I've never run for anything. So you, you, you learn pretty quickly whether you like it. And I like it. I, I, mm-hmm. Every day, I'm, you know, I meet somebody who inspires me. Today I met a, a guy who was in his 80s who I discovered was a distant relative. <laughs> I, you know, oh, I, meet, uh, I meet all sorts of great folks. And, and if you give me a minute, I, I, I get inspired, too. And, uh, you, know, uh, not, you know, not about a month into the campaign, I did a diner, and there was a, an elderly woman who stood up at the end, and she, uh, she thanked me for my service, and she said she thought I was going to win, and she'd been learning about me. And then she told me this uh, story of her son, Michael. Uh, Michael Wargo, who was a uh, 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 volunteered for after 9/11 and went to Afghanistan and came back and struggled and sadly took his life. And and mm. then at the end of the story, she started to cry. I started to cry. She said, "When you get to Washington, you got to fix this. 22 veterans a day kill themselves. What a disgrace!" Which which I believe it is a disgrace. And then she handed me this gold star uh, that wow. you know, gold star families get. And she said, you keep that in your pocket and you don't forget. So I, I'm carrying that with me. I take it with it wherever I go, Mark. And, and you hear things like that and you feel that and you're like, hey, this is so much bigger than me. This is about trying to, you know, help and bring leadership to our great Commonwealth. And, you know, people say, oh, isn't it hard? And, uh, oh, it must it must suck with all the negativity. And, and my response is, you know, compared to what? Compared to like... Uh, storming the beaches in Normandy. You know, there's a lot of people uh, who have done a lot for this great country, so I'm, I'm trying to do my small part. And you are a combat vet, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, my, my tagline for my campaign is battle-tested Pennsylvania true. Um, I grew up in a small town of Pennsylvania. I, uh, I went to West Point and wrestled there. I was a co-captain of the wrestling team. And then uh, 82nd Airborne Division and uh, Gulf War. I went to Ranger School. And, uh, and then I came back to Pennsylvania. Uh, and so the p- thing I tell people on the, on the campaign trail is, listen, all you need to know about me are from those first 28 years. You know, the Judeo-Christian Pennsylvania values I learned growing up in Bloomsburg, duty on our country I, I learned at West Point, and the exceptionalism of America that I saw firsthand in the 82nd Airborne Division where you had these young kids who are willing to put it all on the line for our country. And, um, and that's the, those are the values that I've 
carried on the, throughout my life, and those are the values that I that I want to bring to the Senate on behalf of Pennsylvania. And um, this race is, as they say, very, very tight. Um, there's really three of you at the at the head of the pack. Um, are you disappointed by this? Do you feel you should be way ahead? You've had a lot of endorsements and so forth. What are you thinking? Well, you know, I think the stakes on this are, are so high for this for this seat. Uh, it not only will determine, Mark, whether we have a strong conservative leader in in the Senate on behalf of Pennsylvania, it'll determine whether the Senate is led by conservatives. So, you know, in, in terms of think of our lifetime, uh, th- this is one of the most important Senate races that, that we've encountered. And people say that about lots of Senate races, but this one's important. And so, you know, it was always going to be hard. It was always going to have a lot of money thrown at it. And so the the voters have to pick someone, in my opinion, who, A, shares their values, um, believes the things they believe, and is going to fight like hell uh, for those values in Washington. But two, someone who can, who can succeed in the general election. This is going to be uh, a $500 million race, Mark, as, as grotesque Jeez. as that sounds. Uh, Chuck Schumer will put in everything he can. Uh, to help the Democrat win this, our side will need to put a lot of money in. It's gonna. This is gonna be like welcome to the NFL. This is gonna be a big race. So we got to have someone uh, representing uh, Pennsylvania in this race who is tough, resilient, can marshal the resources, build a great team, and win. And somebody who's got the credibility to do that. And then, most important, winning is not the goal. Getting to the Senate and being a fighter on America First priorities someone who has the experience and the credibility to deal with inflation and deal with the, the, the pushback on the socialist policies of Joe Biden, someone who can fight to secure the border on day one, someone who understands what's going on in Ukraine or has, uh, who has experience that can help lead the charge and going toe-to-toe with China. So those are the three criteria. And, and I believe that I, um, I am the best candidate on all three of those criteria. And I'm, I'm running my campaign positively with a lot of energy i am trying to make the contrast clear um for my opponents uh Mehmet Oz and kathy barnett and the others on those three criteria and why i believe i'm the strongest candidate and um you know the the voters will decide this is as, as proud as i am of the endorsements that i've had from you know mike pompeo and ted cruz and mike huckabee and and bob lightheiser who led the charge on president uh trump's china policy as proud as i am of those endorsements this is really not about endorsements. This is about the people of Pennsylvania picking the person that gives them comfort is going to be able to succeed on all those things we just talked about. And the Democrats are going to nominate the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, who's a lunatic. He's a uh, yeah. Bernie Sanders guy, but absolutely a lunatic, as radical as anybody who has ever run for the United States Senate. And it's going to be absolutely crucial that he be defeated. How how do you think you'd pair up against him? We we got to win this for just the reason you said. He is, just, he is a socialist. He's an extreme leftist. But like Bernie Sanders, he's got a following. And he's raised an enormous amount of money, and he will raise a lot of money um, nationally. And so I think there's two ways we beat John Fetterman. Two ways I beat John Fetterman. First, on ideas. Our ideas are better. You know, everybody, Democrats and Republicans alike, are experiencing the inflation. They're experiencing the 
you know, the, the, the overrun of our border, the lack of sovereignty, what it's doing to crime. Um, I didn't handle the time very well. Can you hold over uh, the break, uh, Dave McCormick? All right, I'm sorry. I want to go back to that question, how you size up against this lunatic, because it's going to be very, very important that they lose and we win. We'll be right back with Dave McCormick. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Ministry of Truth. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Welcome back, America. We're with Dave McCormick, who is one of those leading the top of the pack candidates in the Republican primary for the Senate in Pennsylvania. Uh, By the way, Dave, if somebody wants to help you or learn more about you, where do they go? Dave McCormick, PA.com. All right, that's Dave, M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K, Dave McCormick, PA.com. All right, yep. how, do you, uh, how, do you, how do you size up against this uh, lieutenant governor from Pennsylvania, this, this Bernie Sanders lunatic? Yeah, listen, I, I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's absolutely critical we beat this guy. I mean, he would be a disaster for the country, a disaster for Pennsylvania. As you said, he's left the Bernie Sanders, and the first way we fight him is on ideas. Um, our ideas, our conservative ideas are better. We saw that under President Trump. We saw that under a, a great economic recovery. We saw what pro-growth policies do. We saw what economic or deregulation does, a focus on working families, fair trade, energy dominance. All those policies had our country in Pennsylvania going in a great direction. And we have to, we have to rub Fetterman's nose in that and force him to deal with the fact that the ideas that he's promoting um, or, or that Joe Biden's promoting are failing. They're failing uh, Americans, they're failing Pennsylvanians, they're not just failing Republicans, they're failing Democrats too. So make the case, show that the ideas are, are, fail, are failed, and make him own those ideas or distance himself from those ideas. Either, either approach is good for us and good for us winning this election. The second thing is contrast on, on who he is. So he's a, he's a big guy, tattoos, sort of walks around like a, like a badass. And uh, the truth of the matter is that he grew up with a trust fund and, and ended up going to Harvard. 
Uh, by the way, I'm not uh, uh, criticizing for that, but that's just different than his persona. And here you have uh, me that grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania, went to West Point, 82nd Airborne Division Ranger. Um, I like that matchup between the guy who pretends he's a badass and the guy that is a badass. And that is the contrast that I would want to create with him on the campaign trail. And I don't, I think we can appeal to uh, conservative Democrats. I think we can appeal to minorities because the Biden administration's policies have been so disastrous for our minority communities in Philadelphia and around Pennsylvania. And so we got to be tough, relentless. Uh, resilient and take it to them on ideas and uh, and bio and fight. I mean, this is going to be a hell of a fight. It's going to be a big race, and we need someone in there who's who can who can fight and knows has a track record of fighting and winning. Mm-hmm. Remind everybody, particularly in Pennsylvania, but those who vote in Pennsylvania, when is election day again? It's been going on, hasn't it? Election day, May seventeenth. May seventeenth next Tuesday. And, um, you know, I'm honored to be on your show as always, Mark. And if, I, if you will allow me, I just want to uh, ask your listeners for the vote. Um, I'm, uh, I'm out there campaigning. I'm throwing everything I got into this because I think I'm the right man for the job. I think the stakes could not be higher. I think people that have been blessed by all that this great country has to offer and, and Pennsylvania has to offer, like I have been, have an obligation to serve. I've, I've served all my life. And uh, I'd be privileged to have this job. And so I'm asking for their vote. It's going to be close. And um, uh, I I think I'm the right man for the job for all the reasons I've said. And you've term limited yourself should you win, correct? I have indeed. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've said that from the very first day. You know, if I'm fortunate enough to be elected, I'll, uh, I'll serve two terms. And I've had a number of people say, well, that's a terrible idea. Because you won't have seniority and, you know, you won't really be able to have the impact you could have until the third term or fourth. And it, I just thought to myself, what a, what, you know, what a terrible view of our political system that if you went there for 12 years and gave everything you had to it, that you could make a difference because of the system or the seniority or whatever. So I'm going to break glass. I'm going to someone who doesn't owe anybody anything, someone who, um, who thinks our system is broken and we need to fight back against the, 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 the bad ideas, the terrible leadership, and the woke stuff that we're seeing. And, um, and if I can't do that in two terms, then I think we probably have the wrong senator. You know, I have friends all over the place in this election. One of them is Rick Santorum. Rick Santorum served two terms in Pennsylvania. And, you know, that's a funny thing. I think Rick was way ahead of his time when he would talk about the working class, the middle class, reaching over to Democrats. I think this is something Ronald Reagan did as well, very, very effectively. It wasn't about pandering. It's just that their arguments and their policies embraced, you know, a whole uh, swath of people that Republicans haven't embraced before. I'm, I'm seriously curious. Who is he endorsing? Anybody? Yes. Well, I, I should have said that because I was so honored by it. Rick Santorum endo- has endorsed me. Um, he's been a friend for years. And um, and he endorsed me because he thinks I'm the right man for the job, and I've got the right conservative uh, views, both my views on policy, but also my my social conservative views on questions of abortion and and life and so forth. So he's 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 supported me. We've done a rally together recently, and he's been a great friend. And I agree with you 100. percent He was ahead of his time, and we've talked about that. That was part of his appeal, where he really understood working America, and he understood that those people in Pennsylvania who had been forgotten, and to, and to his credit, so did President Trump. I mean, he tapped into that sense of millions of Pennsylvanians who felt forgotten 
that the system was screwing them, whether it was a free trade or or 20, de- uh, 20 years of war, two decades of war that you know doesn't happen in the in the in the beautiful suburbs. It happens in these small gritty towns where those kids go to war. The technology revolution left them left them behind. Trade with China and and or the border. President Trump put his finger on that, and that's why when I say I'm running on America first policies, I think President Trump had those policies right, and uh, mm-hmm. and I want to build on that and and be a leader on that agenda uh, in the Senate. And Sean Parnell, who I originally endorsed, and that that kind of fell apart. I, I honestly didn't know about Santorum. He has endorsed yeah. you as well, correct? On yeah, a great number, many dozens of great Pennsylvanians. Sean has been a particularly close friend. Um, you know, we share the fact that we're both veterans. And I didn't know him honestly before he withdrew, but I called him and I said, uh, you know, you're a, 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 a great American, and I feel bad that you've been dragged through this and um you know let's get a beer at some point and we did and we hit it off and he's just been tireless in supporting my campaign and you know he cares so deeply about pennsylvania he's got a bright future in my opinion and uh i've been grateful for his support and he's he's as you say very popular in pennsylvania just a great guy meanwhile the democrat party has lurched hard left they have a democrat running against the lieutenant governor who's I don't believe he is, but he's he's said to be sort of more moderate. And according to polls, he's getting crushed. So if moderate Democrats or conservative Democrats want to find a place to vote, they're going to need to vote Republican, aren't they? I really think they are. And I, I you know, it's funny we're having this conversation tonight because I was literally in a diner this morning in Wilkes-Barre, and this guy came up to me and he said, uh, you know, listen, let's we chatted, and he said, I'm going to vote for you. I'm excited to be behind you. And then he said, you know, until, uh, until President Trump, I was a Democrat. And uh, I flipped parties because I think that the Democratic Party, it's the old Reagan line. Uh, I, didn't, uh, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. And I think a lot of people are feeling that. We've got, you know, there's a tradition of conservative Democrats in Pennsylvania. And uh, I think we're going to have a lot of appeal to them because, again, our policies are better. And the, and the Democrats have gone off the, you know, the, the deep end with these extreme policies that uh, only appeal to a shrinking minority of Pennsylvanians. All right, folks, this is Dave McCormick. You can find out more at DaveMcCormickPA.com. As I always point out, these, these state races have national implications because if the Democrats win the Senate, um, uh, we're going to be in one hell of a fix here. So the, every one of these races is crucially important. I have a national show. That's why it's important that I bring on Dave McCormick and the programs heard throughout the country, throughout the state of Pennsylvania. By the way, do you ever hear anybody say, I heard you on the Mark Levin show in Pennsylvania? I'm just curious. I, I, I do. I do. I do. I hear that. And you're, you've got big fans in Pennsylvania and just the people I want to talk to, which people that want to take back America. All right. Well, God bless you, my friend. I wish you all the best. And uh, we'll know soon enough. We want you to come back. God too. bless you. I will. Thank you, Mark. God bless you, and thanks for having me on the show. All right. Take care of yourself. All right. That's Dave McCormick running in the Republican primary for the Senate in uh, in Pennsylvania. We've got to win this seat, period. No question. We've got to win this seat. Now, I am noticing... As the Ukrainians are beginning to kick the ass of the Russian invaders, that the Putinoids in our country are getting very upset. In fact, they're getting angry. 
In fact, they're making arguments like, why do we care about what's going on in Ukraine when we don't have enough baby formula? As if we weren't involved in helping Ukraine, we'd have enough baby formula. They seem to believe that Putin is the reason we don't have enough baby formula. That Putin is the reason that the shelves are emptying. That Putin is the reason that gas prices are up. No, the reason is Biden. And the reason's the Democrat Party. That Putin's the reason our southern border's open. Now, what kind of silliness is this? What kind of stupidity is this? And they're becoming more and more unrestrained in their propaganda, are the Putinoids, the stronger and stronger the Ukrainians are in trying to push the Russians out of their country. They're almost becoming hysterical with their idiotic arguments. If we weren't helping Ukraine, we'd still have a baby formula problem. If we weren't helping Ukraine, gas prices would still be going up. They'd been going up long before the invasion in Ukraine. We'd still have inflation because all the spending took place a year ago. So stop listening to the Putinoids with their hemorrhoids. One Tokyo Rose was enough. That's not America first, ladies and gentlemen. It's Putin first. It's America last. Now, I don't want us dragged into a military confrontation. But if Putin had been succeeding in taking out Ukraine, his eyes were set on Poland and Romania. How do we know? Read what he wrote or somebody wrote for him. Thousands and thousands of words last summer. He tells us this. He says it. You don't have to believe me. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I think I'm going to turn this over to you. I'm going to turn this over to somebody you're familiar with. Say hi. How's it going, everyone? Now, you know that voice. How much time do I have, Rich? Four minutes. So I'm here with Don Jr., his beautiful Kimberly, Sergio, who works with Don Jr. and used to work with Rand Paul. And uh, you're in Florida here. How much do you miss New York? Not even a little bit. Uh, Not even a little bit, Mark. I came to escape some of that insanity, whether it be tax code or otherwise. And now if you reversed it, you... I wouldn't go back. Life is great down here, isn't it? The weather, the ocean, you can do it. You like to fish, right? I, I love to fish, but I love the people. You know, I go to a restaurant here, and in New York, you get a snide comment from your waiter. You get side-eye. Here, they're, thank you so much for what you're doing. We believe in it. It's it's absolutely amazing. It's, it's literally a different country, it feels like, from, you know, New York City, where I came from, and spent my whole life. Uh, you know, I don't say that with joy, but I literally didn't know that that existed, Mark. And it's uh, it's so palpable down here. I, I just love it. Now, when I see your father here, now, I don't harass your dad. You know, other people who know him call him, text I, I I leave the man alone. But when I see him, I can see he loves it. He loves He loves it. He loves the atmosphere. He loves it down here, right? Uh, 100%. And I mean, he's the guy, I mean, he's like one of those guys that has like NYC for New York City in his acronym, right? He changed the skyline of that place. I mean, he moved there as a kid from Queens to change it. And for him to leave, that's no easy task. And 
he's also never going back. It's it's that crazy. And it, it just shows you what still exists in America. It, it's just awesome. I love it. And people leave you alone here. They're not trying to put you in jail. They don't care about your taxes. They're not... They're not... Look, even when I go to a place, people want to talk to you. They like you. It's just a lot of fun here. And it's very sad because New York used to be a great place. I mean, under Rudy Giuliani, it was a great city, wasn't it? It, it was. It was safe. It, you could do a, everything. And it just shows you some of the you know, division in politics. I mean, there wasn't, it wasn't all that long ago where I could have gone anywhere in New York City and been totally welcomed and you know, gotten in and not have to worry about nonsense or the harassment of half the people that have attacked us over the last few years. We've, we used to have dinner with those people, uh, quite literally, not even just people like them, but the actual people. Uh, and it just shows you sort of what exists outside of that world and how, how fabricated it is. And so, uh, no, this was the greatest move I could have ever done. I, I can't believe it. It's just great. So you and Kimberly are a real item. We are. I mean, we, we, we we're engaged and we have a great house together and uh, raising our kids together. And she's a, a great woman and a, a great cheerleader and coach for everything that I've done. And my life has changed a lot, just getting so involved in the political process and being out there as a fighter. And she's just been uh, someone awesome to have in your corner. I can tell you, she's a real warrior and she's a real lawyer. She's sharp as can be. And you have become in many respects on your own a public figure, a political figure. You think you'll run for office one day? You never know. There may be that calling. Right now, I sort of feel like I can almost do more out of office because, you know, I can put a lot of pressure on a lot of people. Uh, there's people that trust me because they realize that, you know, I, I didn't have to do this stuff. I can assure you it was much easier to just be a real estate developer from New York City. I could have shut up about my politics, but I actually believe this stuff. You know, it's not a soundbite to get elected. Again, I, I would have been much more comfortable just sitting there being quiet and not doing anything. But I believe this stuff. I believe in our country. I believe in the Constitution. I believe in all of the liberties that, uh, you know, so many people in politics especially throw around as soundbites. Uh, this stuff means something to me. I have five young kids. I want to make sure they grow up in a country they recognize. And so I've just sort of, uh, you know, in a very Trump way, just gotten all in uh, hard and I'm willing to have those fights. Fantastic family, and you're one of the reasons why. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our trucker friends, all of our friends. God bless each and every one of you. Happy birthday, my son, Chase. See you tomorrow.